welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Puck House Podcast. We got quite a bit to talk about today. We are going to dive into, we're going to talk about a couple signings. We got a couple signings around the NHL. Uh, Logan Cooley, we're going to talk about Vladimir Tarasenko, his signing with the Ottawa Senators. So stay tuned for my thoughts on that. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about, we're going to flash back to 2009. We're going to flash back to 2009, take a look back at the Carolina Hurricanes versus New Jersey Devils series, and the unthinkable finish, just the most unbelievable finish in the Game 7. We're going to talk about that, so stay tuned for that. We're also going to talk about Messi and MLS. It's just like McDavid in the AHL. Well, we're going to put that to the test. We're going to have an NHL 23 simulation on that coming up later on in the show. That We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of the Puck House Podcast. All right, now we're going to move into the roundup. And there's quite a bit we got to talk about this week, so we're going to dive into that. And there wasn't... A ton that happened in free agency, except one big signing. We got to talk about Vladimir Tarasenko. Vladimir Tarasenko has signed a one-year, I think it was $5 million deal with the Ottawa Senators. So Vladimir Tarasenko is heading to the Ottawa Senators. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I do not like this move. Okay, it's not because I don't like Tarasenko. It's I don't know what the Ottawa Senators are trying to do. I don't know what they're trying to do, to be honest. Are they trying to buy? Are they trying to make a deep run? Are they? I don't really know what they're trying to do right now. They just got rid of Debrinkit. Like, I really, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the move personally. I don't, I don't think it's going to help them. I think Ottawa's going to miss the playoffs next year. I don't like the way, I don't like the way Ottawa's kind of doing things right now. I don't think, I don't think it's going to work. I just don't, I don't think it's going to work in Ottawa. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, if it works, and I guess we'll have to see when the season begins. But I. Personally, I don't I don't like the move. I, I simply don't. I don't think it's going to work out. I just don't think I'm thinking back to when they signed Giroux and all that. They got to bring it in. I, I thought that they were going to be a good team. But they showed last year that they weren't. They missed the playoffs. And I don't think Tarasenko is going to help that cause. I don't think they're going to be able to make a playoff run this year but I guess we will have to see how he fits into the Ottawa Senators system we'll give it a chance let it play out for a little bit but that's what that's what I think I'm I'm skeptical of the move I am I am skeptical of the move and we also got to talk about Sebastian Ajo Sebastian Ajo he has Normally on, you know, your birthday, you'll get some birthday money, you know, you know, a little bit of birthday money. This guy got a whole lot of birthday money. He signed an eight-year contract extension on his birthday this past week. Sebastian Ajo, eight years, $9.75 million per so Sebastian Ajo is making the big bucks now. So Sebastian Ajo, eight years, that's around $78 million, $78 million. So a lot of money for Sebastian Ajo. So he's getting, he's getting big money. And, I mean, Sebastian Ajo has been maybe Carolina's best player last couple years. I remember... I remember the first time I heard of Sebastian Ajo was I picked him for my fantasy team, my fantasy hockey team. Um, first year, I yeah, I picked, picked him for my fantasy hockey team. 
and I picked him in like the fourth round or something. And like, I was like, I don't even know who this guy is, but you know what? I'll take a shot on him. That was his breakout season. So he was a lot of fun to watch. I watched a lot of those Carolina games because I had him on my fantasy team. So I wanted to keep an eye on him, how he was doing. And yeah, Sebastian Ajo, uh, well-deserved Sebastian Ajo, really great, really great player for the Carolina Hurricanes. I really think the Carolina Hurricanes are poised to make a cup run next season. Look out for the Carolina Hurricanes and Sebastian Ajo. Logan Cooley has signed his entry-level contract with the Arizona Coyotes. This comes after, well, first off, he was picked third overall by the Arizona Coyotes in the 2022 NHL entry draft. He went back to college, which was not really a surprise to many until it was revealed this offseason that it seemed like he was going to go back to college for another season. But... However, it seems like now he's he signed his entry-level contract now. So it seems like he's going to make his way to Arizona, make his way to the desert this upcoming season. And we have some massive breaking news regarding Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron has retired from the NHL. He released a statement, which I'm going to read to you right now, and we'll, then we'll talk a little bit about his career that he's had. We'll talk a little bit more about that in uh, after I read uh, this, fault, this statement that he released. When I was around 12 years old, a teacher asked everyone in my class to write about our dreams. For me, my dream was already clear, to become a professional hockey player. I was probably a little naive growing up, because in my mind this dream was never a question of if, but when it would happen. The path to making my dreams come true was not easy. I faced adversity and made so many sacrifices, but throughout it all, my love for the game only grew, and my determination to achieve my goals always remained strong. For the last 20 years, I have been able to live my dream every day. I have had the honor of playing in front of the best fans in the world, wearing the Bruins uniform, and representing my country at the highest levels of international play. I have given the game everything that I have, physically and emotionally, and the game has given me back more than I could have ever imagined. It is with a full heart and a lot of gratitude that today I am announcing my retirement as a professional hockey player. As hard as it is to write, I also write it knowing how blessed and lucky I feel to have had the career that I have had and that I have the opportunity to leave the game I love on my terms. It wasn't a decision that I came to lightly, but after listening to my body and talking with my family, I know in my heart that this is the right time to step away from playing the game I love. I also know that none of this was possible on my own, and I would like to humbly take this opportunity to acknowledge some people who helped me achieve my goals and who made my career so special. From my minor hockey days in Quebec City all the way through Major Junior and Acadie Bathurst, there were so many coaches, teammates, and parents who helped me fall in love with hockey. Thank you for laying the groundwork on what became a lifelong passion. In 2003, the Bruins drafted me, and from the moment I put my draft sweater on, everyone in the organization believed in me. I want to thank the Jacobs family, team management, coaches, trainers, support staff, team doctors and psychologists, scouts, and TD Garden staff. The commitment of this group of people and constant support on and off the ice made wearing the black and gold so special every day. One of the best parts of pulling on the spoken B, spoked B jersey is the incredible history of the franchise. The players that came before me always welcomed, welcomed me with open arms and were always there with encouragement, to listen and help me better understand the tradition and responsibilities that come with playing for the Bruins. While not always easy, I always tried my best to understand that part of being a professional hockey player included my responsibility to the media who helped tell our story to the fans. I enjoyed getting to know some of you personally over the years and I always appreciated being covered fairly 
and the job that the media did telling the story of our team. Over the last 20 years, I've had the honor of taking the ice with so many great teammates. I have tried to learn something from each and every one of you, and I always tried to be the best teammate that I could be. I will never forget your trust, the laughs, the endless memories, the ups and downs, and ultimately the long-lasting friendships. I will for forever be grateful being a part of such an exceptional group of men, and I will carry the pride of winning in 2011 with me forever. The amazing people of New England welcomed a young French-Canadian who didn't speak great English, and you treated me like one of your own. I can't imagine representing a better community or more passionate fan base than the Boston Bruins. Your passion, your dedication, and your kindness towards me and my family will never be forgotten. Please know that every time I took the ice, I tried to compete for you the right way. And off the ice, I tried the, tried the best that I could to give back to the community that supported me. The connections and friends that my family and I have made here are unquantifiable. Boston is and will forever be a special place for me and my family. There is only one other jersey that I ever wanted to wear, and that is the Canadian jersey. Representing my country at the highest level, especially winning gold in Vancouver and Sochi, are also some of my proudest moments. I would like to thank everyone who helped make those experiences possible. Navigating life as a professional athlete is not easy, and my two agents, Kent Hughes and Phil Cavalier, helped me find my way. Your guidance through the ups and downs of my career helped eliminate distractions and uncertainty so that I could focus on being the best player that I could be. I have also had a great team of professionals in Boston and Quebec who have been instrumental in both my physical and mental health, allowing me to reach my maximum potential. Uh, and then they, then he went on to thank his family, uh, his friends, extended family, th thanked his mom and his dad, his brother, his wife, his kids. And then he finished it off with this. So I'm going to read the final little bit of this. Finally, to the next generation of hockey players. I had a dream at 12 years old. And through hard work and perseverance, my dreams came true more than I ever could have imagined. Respect the game and your peers. Welcome adversity and simply enjoy yourself. No matter where you go from there, the game will bring you so much happiness. As I step away today, I have no regrets. I have only gratitude that I lived my dream. And excitement for what is next for my family and I. I left everything out there and I'm humbled and honored it was. Representing this incredible city and for the Boston Bruins fans. Sincerely yours, Patrice Bergeron. I mean, wow. Uh, Patrice Bergeron retires from the NHL after an illustrious NHL career. One of one of the great defensive forwards of our game. Uh, he was unbelievable player on both offense and defense. Uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, won a Stanley Cup in 2011, as he mentioned in that statement. A two-time gold medalist as well in 2010 in Vancouver and 2014 in uh, Sochi. So, yeah, Patrice Bergeron, just an absolute legend of of the game. Uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame come, come 2026 when he's eligible. I think it's 2026 that he's eligible, but Patrice Bergeron, an absolute legend of the game, steps away from the NHL. Uh, it's too bad how it ended. Because uh, it really should have ended better for Patrice Bergeron. Uh, like, you have a great player like that, uh, you know. and He deserved a better ending, but he still had an unbelievable career with the Boston Bruins. Uh, and, you know, just, yeah. Uh, Patrice Bergeron. Uh, yeah, Patrice Bergeron steps away from the game today. Uh, moves on with his next next chapter of his life. And yeah, Patrice Bergeron, a legend of the game. All right, so now we're going to move into our weekly segment that we're doing, Redraft. The second Redraft this week, we are going to be doing the 2001 NHL Entry Draft. We started with the 2000 NHL Entry Draft last week. And now we're going to move on to the 2001 NHL 
entry draft, and we're going to take a look at that. A couple good players. So remember, last week I talked about this, but for those of you who, who didn't listen last week, I'm going to clue you in on what we're doing. So basically, uh, we looked at we're going to look at the top ten picks of the draft, and we're going to redraft it in that order. So basically, we're almost kind of re-ranking the top ten. So we're not going to do like the whole whole draft and then get the top 10 from there we're going to be focusing in on the top 10 and figuring out kind of rearranging the top 10 draft picks of the draft so we're doing redraft a little differently so yeah so starting off there was in 2001 there were two really good players in the first two picks that being Ila Kovlachuk and Jason Spezza, Ila Kovlachek went, went uh, number one to the Atlanta Thrashers. And Jason Spezza went number two to the Ottawa Senators that year. Uh, that pick was traded to the Ottawa Senators in the Alexi Yashin trade. Uh, the infamous and notorious Alexi Yashin trade. Uh, so both these players, both these players had really great careers. Both these players, really great careers. So it was really hard to decide who to pick as number one or number two. And it, it could honestly go either way. You could put Ila Kovlachek in number one. You could put Jason Spezza at number one in this redraft. And I went with Jason Spezza. Jason Spezza, number one in this redraft to the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, like I said, it could go either way though. It was really, it was really a toss-up between the two of them. I just went with Jason Spezza because of he had a longer playing career. He well in the NHL played 19 seasons in the NHL compared to Ila Kovlachuk's 13, and played 300 more games than Ila Kovlachuk. So I went with, I went with Jason Spezza because of that. You're gonna get more out of a player like that in six more seasons, I guess. So, but really both those players, absolutely amazing players. So you could, you could flip flop them either way. And it would be, if you, you know, Ila Kovlachek at number one, I could have easily done that. I, but I went with Jason Spezza, but yeah, Ila Kovlachek, uh, I put him at number two. Like I said, very tight between the two of them. It could go either way. I wish I could just put both in number one because both players, great players. But for this, we're going to put Ila Kovlachek at number two to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Ila Kovlachek, 926 games, 876 points. Uh, close to a point per game in his career. So very impressive, very impressive NHL career for Ila Kovlachek. Uh, and then number three, uh, the, the original pick. The original pick of that draft was Alexander Svitov, Svitov, I think it is, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But in this redraft, Miku Koivu is going to go number three to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Miku Koivu, a legendary uh, Minnesota Wild player, played over 1,000 games over a span of 16 seasons. And had 711 points, 206 of them being goals. So great, great career, great solid career for Miko Koivu. Miko Koivu will go number three in our redraft. And at number four, we are going to put Stephen Weiss. Stephen Weiss went number four in the actual draft. So he's going to stay in that number four spot in this redraft. Uh, Stephen Weiss over a span of 13 seasons, uh, 423 points in 7 or 32 games. Solid NHL career for Stephen Weiss. He will go number four in our redraft. And at number five, uh, it's the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, or the Anaheim Ducks, with the fifth overall pick that year. They selected Stanislav Chistov, and instead, they're not going to take him. In this redraft, they're going to take Tomu Rutu. I hope I'm saying that name right. I'm so sorry if I'm botching that name. But Tomo Rutu uh, is going to go number five to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim uh, in 12 seasons. 346 points in 735 games. Not too shabby for 
Tomo Rutu. So he will go uh, number five to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. And at number six, the Minnesota Wild, uh, they originally took uh, Miko Koivu. But with him getting taken number three in this redraft to the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not going to have him on the board. So they're going to take Mike Komisarek. Mike Komisarek. Uh, defenseman. Defenseman. 551 games over a span of 11 seasons. So he was a solid NHL, solid NHL player uh, over his... NHL career, so he'll he'll get slotted in at the number six, and yeah, the seventh with the seventh pick in this uh, redraft, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are on the clock, and they are gonna select Pascal Leclerc. Pascal Leclerc. So originally the Montreal Canadiens took Mike Commissaric, but with him going at the sixth slot to the Minnesota Wild, uh, Pascal Leclerc, is going to bump up to the seven spot. Pascal Leclerc, uh, seven seasons in the NHL, 173 games. He was a goalie. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put him in at the seven spot. Pascal Leclerc, uh, junior career was with the Halifax Mooseheads, I believe. So, and he, he played, I think, in the 2000 Memorial Cup. Uh, for the Halifax Mooseheads when they hosted it that year, uh, and I think there's another there's another goalie too that played in that tournament. We'll talk about him in a little bit that went in the top ten. But personally, I'm not a big fan of teams going with a goalie with one of their top picks, especially like first round, first round like and going with a goalie. Like look at what. I'm going to use Winnipeg here, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they took uh, Thomas Millich in this past entry draft. Thomas Millich, and he, he was like the World Juniors goalie for Canada. He had an excellent tournament and had an excellent junior season with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, great goalie, great, great starter for the Thunderbirds. He was always tough to beat whenever, you know, Opposing teams had a really tough time getting a goal past him. So, like, look at what they did. They got a really good goalie, and they got him late into the rounds. And I think, yeah, I think after seeing some of these, like, goalies, like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at, like, Rick DiPietro, guys like that, who went really high. I think teams started to move away from using first-round picks on goalies and started to look at you getting a goalie in maybe the later rounds. But, yeah, Pascal Leclerc going number seven to the Montreal Canadiens. And with the number eight pick, uh, they took Pascal Leclerc initially, but with him going number seven to the Montreal Canadiens, the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to take Stanislav Chistov, who uh, originally went number five to the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, but he will go down to the number eight slot uh he only played three seasons 196 games and 61 points with 19 of them being goals all right and at uh, the number nine slot there's going to be another never russian never russian forward uh right behind him alexander Svidov, who initially went number three to the tampa bay lightning he will go down to the number nine slot, uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks. They originally took Tomo Rutu in that, but with him going uh, number five, like he did, uh, Alexander Svidov. So, and then that leaves number 10. That leaves number 10. And it's kind of, it's, it's too bad. Uh, number 10 is going to be Dan Blackburn, who... Uh, got drafted. That that was the same pick as uh, in the actual 2001 NHL entry draft, a number 10, to the New York Rangers. He only played two seasons, 63 games. He was forced to retire early due to some sort of, I think it was some sort of shoulder injury. Like, he suffered some sort of nerve injury in his, like, shoulder or something, and he couldn't, like, lift up his arms. So he had to, he had to end his playing career so young. But 
Dan Blackburn, he played for the Kootenai Ice. Uh, that's where he played his junior career for the WHL's Kootenai Ice. And they, 2000, that year, they won the WHL championship and they made it to the Memorial Cup in Halifax where he would have had to take on Pascal Leclerc and uh, the Halifax Mooseheads. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Two goalies from that specific Memorial Cup tournament both both got taken in the top 10 that year. Uh, but yeah, we're just going to quickly, we're going to run through the top 10 picks. We're going to run through the top 10 picks, the redraft. Uh, number one, the Atlanta Thrashers take Jason Spezza. At number two, the Ottawa Senators take Ila Kovlachuk. At number three, the Tampa Bay Lightning take Miku Koivu. At number four, the Florida Panthers take Stephen Weiss. At number five, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim take Tomo Rutu. At number six, the Minnesota Wild take Mike Komaserik. At number seven, the Montreal Canadiens select Pascal Leclerc. At number eight, the Columbus Blue Jackets take Stanislav Chistov. At number nine, the Chicago Blackhawks select Alexander Spidov. And at number 10, the New York Rangers select Dan Blackburn. That is the top 10. That is the top 10. And that'll do it for the redraft. All right, so now we're going to dive into a moment in time. And this week, we are going to talk about... Uh, well, last week, we talked about uh, 17 seconds... 17 seconds in the 2013 Stanley Cup Finals between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks and how that completely, completely changed the whole dynamic of the series and led to the Blackhawks winning their second Stanley Cup in four years. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about another similar instance. Uh, this one was not in the Stanley Cup Finals. This was in the first round of the playoffs, but this was in a game seven. We are going to be diving into the 2009 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. It was an Eastern Conference quarterfinals series between the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes. This series uh, in 2009 was crazy. Like just everything that kind of unfolded throughout the series led to the game seven and in an insane finish that you would not believe. Heartbreak for what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about it. We're going to start off game one of the series, game one of the series, and the New Jersey Devils picked up a 4-1 win in that game. Uh, Zach Parise, Zach Parise scored the game-winning goal, uh, helping New Jersey win 4-1. to uh, But Carolina responded back the next night, uh, this game was in first two games of the series were in New Jersey. Carolina won two one. Uh, Eric Stahl and Zach Parise each picked up goals for Carolina and New Jersey respectively in the first period. And then Tim Gleason scored the overtime winner for Carolina to give them to to tie the series up at one one. Now the series shifts over to Carolina at the RBC Center, as it was called at the time. Uh, this game also went to overtime. Uh, it was 2-1 New Jersey after the first period of the game. Chad LaRose tied it up at 2-2 before Travis Sajak scored the overtime winner for the New Jersey Devils to give them the 2-1 series lead, a big overtime goal for New Jersey. And now game four, game four, uh, New Jersey. I mean, they're up 2-1 in the series. This is New Jersey's chance to maybe pull away, make it a 3-1 series, send it back to send it back to New Jersey, go back home with a 3-1 series lead, and you have a good chance of closing it out at home in game five. Well, Carolina came out hard in this game for Eric Stahl and Ryan Beta scored a minute apart from one another. Uh, it was 2-0. Chad LaRose added to that lead. Carolina is up 3-0. They're firing in all cylinders. Brian Gianta made it, made it 3-1. New Jersey's on the board. 
before Brendan Shanahan. Brendan Shanahan made it 3-2, got it in one, one goal. And then David Clarkson, four minutes later, about, about 11 minutes left in the third period, ties it up at three. New Jersey has pulled off a comeback, and all the momentum is shifting their way. It is now tied at 3-3. It's seeming like it looks like it's going to go to overtime. It looks like it's going to go to overtime between for the third game in the row between the Hurricanes and the Devils. And this is a good chance. This is a really good chance for New Jersey to close out the series. Time is ticking down on the clock. There's not much time left. We're getting down. Okay, under a minute left. 30 seconds left. Okay, 10, 9, 8, 7. It looks like the game's going to overtime. A shot from the point from Carolina. And you see Jokinen tips it right at the buzzer. Carolina, Carolina right at the buzzer, wins the game 4-3 and ties the series up at 2. And there was a little bit of controversy with this goal. Because on the replay, it shows UC Okun in front of the net bumping into Martin Brodeur in front of the net. So it so is is it goalie interference? There was a little bit of little bit of controversy there when the goal was called Martin Brodeur was not happy, went over to the referee to talk about it, and then famously threw his stick right against the boards, slammed his stick against the boards. He was mad. He was mad. Series tied at 2-2 now, going back to New Jersey. But he doesn't have time. He comes back. Game 5, he must have been able to calm himself down because he records a shutout in Game 5. Yes, New Jersey wins 1-0 in Game 5 to take a 3-2 series lead. David Clarkson, for the second of the series, scored... Uh, Scored in that game, scored the only goal in that game five. It was a one nothing New Jersey win, and now the series shifts back to Carolina for Game Six. Carolina needs a win in front of their home crowd, and they get it courtesy of two goals by Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl has already had four goals in this series. Uh, Cam Ward records a shutout. That's a uh, so the goalies, Cam Ward and Martin Brodeur, trade shutouts in Game 5 and Game 6. Carolina picks up the win, sending it back to New Jersey for a Game 7. Here we go. Game 7, there's nothing like it in sports. Uh, and the scoring starts right away. Tomo Rutu, which, funny enough... Uh, in our 2001 redraft we just did, uh, Tomo Rutu was one of the picks. So we've heard his name a couple times in this episode. He scores a minute into the game to make it one nothing Carolina. Huge goal for the road team, for the road team Carolina. But Jamie Langenbrunner responds right back, ties the game up at 1-1. Uh, it's all right. It's only two minutes and 30 seconds in, and we've already had two goals. The game is tied at 1-1. And then about six and a half minutes left in the first period. Jay Pandolfo makes it 2-1 New Jersey. We go into the intermission with a 2-1 New Jersey lead. You know, New Jersey, that's huge to have the lead right now in front of your home fans. You know, you got 40 minutes left, 40 minutes left. And Carolina's thinking... Got 40 minutes to keep our season alive. Let's let's go out there and get one. And three minutes and 42 seconds into the second period, Ray Whitney ties the game up for Carolina. That's his third of the series. And it's 2-2. 2-2 Carolina, New Jersey right now. But five minutes later, Brian Rolston for the New Jersey Devils makes it 3-2. That is a huge goal. And we go into the second intermission. New Jersey is 20 minutes away from winning the series and advancing to the second round. So New Jersey's just got to close it out for 20 minutes. Carolina's pressing hard, trying to get a goal. 
with a minute and 20 seconds left. You see Jokin in his third of the series. Uh, Martin Brodeur must really not like UC Jokinen. He, he did not like UC Jokinen, I'm sure, in that series. Uh, keep scoring at the worst possible times for, yeah, that's his second kind of late goal. And it's 3-3. It's 3-3 now. New Jersey was a minute and 20 seconds away from advancing to the second round. That was just to be so close. And then a goal like that goes in. It's really, it's really deflating. But minute 20 left. You're going to, in just a, just a minute, once, you know, unless something goes wrong, you are going to have an intermission where you can calm yourself down and then you go out for overtime in front of your home fans. So I think home fans definitely, like, you have, you have the advantage because you have the home fans behind you. So you're, you're going to get a break in a minute to be able to calm yourself down, most likely. Uh, and, you know, I think most, most players on both teams were thinking overtime. But not Eric Stahl, because with 32 seconds left in the game, Eric Stahl manages to beat Martin Broder, get one past Martin Broder. These goals came, looks like 40, 48 seconds apart, I believe. So yeah, it's 48 seconds apart. 48 seconds apart between the two goals and in 48 seconds the series looks like it's New Jersey advancing all of a sudden in a blink of an eye Carolina has won the series and Carolina New Jersey could not answer could not find a goal in the final 32 seconds Carolina wins the series in dramatic fashion unbelievable the, I think it's the latest game seven goal gate latest game seven winning goal ever I want to say I think it's something like that it's or or at least it's like right up there but absolutely insane finish of this series two games two games where it kind of seems like okay we're going overtime here and then a late goal a late goal comes that gives Carolina the win both times first in game four with UC Jokinen's buzzer beater and then in game seven game seven's got that's gotta hurt this was in New Jersey too so absolute heartbreak if you're a New Jersey Devils fan in that arena that night that is heartbreaking you're thinking a minute tw minute 20 away from advancing to the second round and in, in a blink of an eye in the blink of an eye the carolina hurricanes have advanced to the second round and just to note too after the series carolina ended up winning their second round matchup and they faced off in the conference finals against the eventual stanley cup champions the pittsburgh penguins they lost to them i believe it was a sweep if i'm not mistaken am i right let me see now I'm just going to quickly take a look here. Got to find it here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh swept them. Pittsburgh swept them. Uh, and then obviously Pittsburgh went on to win the cup in seven games against the Detroit Red Wings. Got their revenge on Detroit after Detroit beat them in the previous one. Marc-Andre Fleury's heroics. Marc-Andre Fleury's incredible save in the dying seconds of game seven gave him that. Stanley Cup win and that'll do it for a moment in time all right so messy mania messy mania has been absolutely taking over uh Miami uh Messi Lionel Messi man he absolutely is tearing it up in the MLS right now two games well, in his first hour of play as an Inter-Miami player, he scored three goals in that span. And there was, you know, I've heard 
Like, some are saying, like, okay, this is, like, this is, like, putting McDavid in the AHL. Well, what if, what if we actually did? What if we put Connor McDavid in the AHL? So, ran a simulation on NHL 23, and it had some interesting results. So, here's what I did. First off. I I could have just stuck him on the Bakersfield Condors, but I wanted to spice things up. I wanted to make things a little more interesting. So what I actually did was I I put a random number generator, 1 through 32, and whichever number it landed on, whatever it was alphabetically, the team, alphabetically in NHL, that was the team that I would pick. And it ended up being that the Hartford Wolfpack were the team that McDavid was going to end up on. Now, just like Lionel Messi in Miami, he's not going there by himself. He, he's going to get some help. That's what is, is exactly ha- happening with Messi. He has Sergio Busquets, and he's going to have Jordi Alba down there with him coming very soon. So, it's only fair that we give McDavid some help. And I've, chose, I've chosen two players, alright? I gotta have Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is gonna be the Sergio Busquets of this sim- simulation. And gotta have someone on defense, just like Jordi Alba. And I went with Matthias Ekholm. Matthias Ekholm is gonna almost act as Jordi Alba in this simulation. Well, Jordi Alba isn't played for inter miami but he is going to join there very shortly but so it actually had some interesting results before we get into mcdavid's stats so by the way too i just want to make it clear i i was like i could have just put mcdavid on one line but i said nah so i just threw mcdavid and dry and ekholm on all of their possible lines so they're playing like every power play they're playing every single minute of gameplay basically uh so i threw them on just for the entire just to try to just to try to maximize the stats and what came back was really interesting so first off how did the Hartford Wolfpack do? Well, no surprise. I mean, they ended up finishing top of the league, 50-20-2. And, and I actually found this kind of interesting. The trophy that they have. So they have a trophy, like the President's Trophy. It's called the McGregor Kilpatrick Trophy, which I had no idea. Which I actually looked it up because I was like, McGregor Kilpatrick like I was like this sounds like the name of like some sort of bank or something like that or like a law firm or something like that but turns out McGregor Kilpatrick he was like one of the top executives at the AHL like in the beginning it seemed like and apparently he also served uh, looks like he also served in the Navy for many years yeah, he was an executive for the American Hockey League. He also he also fought in World War II. So, yeah, I, I didn't actually know that, so I found that kind of interesting. And I don't know, I'm just wondering, if there's any AHL fans, do you, like, you know, the, there's the President's Trophy curse. Do you have, like, a McGregor-Kilpatrick curse or something like that? Like, I don't know, I'm just throwing it out. Is there is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't really follow the AHL too much. But, all right. Now let's get down to business here. Now, we got to come back with how did McDavid fare? Did he put up, did he put up the same numbers? Did he put up like 200, 300 points? Well, the results that came back were interesting. 72 games. Keep that in mind because... That's, it's 10 games shorter. McDavid, he recorded 46 goals, 88 assists for 134 points. Initially, I was like, oh my gosh, he got 20 points less than he did in the NHL. 
when I calculated it, his points per game remain exactly the same, which surprised me. That caught me kind of that kind of caught me off guard, I guess. Uh, Dreisaitl. How did Dreisaitl do? I also kept track of that. He recorded 55 goals, 66 assists for 121 points. Pretty good, pretty solid for Leon Dreisaitl. And Ekholm, I wasn't really expecting him to generate much offense. He recorded 10 goals, 65 assists for 75 points. So the three of them did quite well. And, I mean, at the end of the day, they got the job done because they're top of the league going into the playoffs as the top team. So, at the end of the day, they accomplished that. So, and I think, I mean, I think that's what Lionel Messi's going to do to Inter Miami. He's going to bring him right up to the top. So, even if he's not, like, he just brings kind of a winning attitude to the team, even if he's not performing necessarily. But, uh, so basically, first round matchup was against the actual Calder Cup champions this past year. The Hershey Bears. And and the Hershey Bears, they not gonna win the Calder Cup in this simulation. Yes, the Hartford Wolf Pack advance to the second round. They get eight goals, six assists for fourteen point points. That's what McDavid got. That's what McDavid got in, in the first round. In the second round, his second round matchup is against the Springfield Thunderbirds. Here we go. And it did not start off well. They are down. All of a sudden now the Hartford Wolfpack and Connor McDavid are down 3-1 in the series. They win game five. But they fall in game six. The Springfield Thunderbirds advance. And the Hartford Wolfpack and Connor McDavid are out. Which... That surprised me. I thought, okay, like they're totally just going to mop the floor with everybody. Easily win. Easily win the league championship. It's not that easy. And also, by the way, just to let you know, too, the Springfield Thunderbirds ended up winning the Calder Cup. So, found that kind of interesting. Just like, funny enough... Connor McDavid, he cannot escape the champion. He cannot escape like losing to the champion in the playoffs. Twenty twenty one, or no, twenty twenty two. Sorry, twenty twenty two. McDavid lost to the Colorado Avalanche. Twenty twenty three. Who did he lose to? The Vegas Golden Knights. In this simulation, he can't escape it. The Springfield Thunderbirds ended up winning the Calder Calder Cup. Making Homer Simpson proud. Uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds are the Calder Cup champions. All I got to say is the McGregor-Kilpatrick curse strikes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, which, I, I found this interesting. But when you think about it, I think to EA, like it's not, it's not the most accurate simulation. And I'm factoring that in, too. But I think what we got to keep in mind, too, is the AHL is a professional league at the end of the day. These are still pro hockey players, still still really solid players in the AHL, even if they're not they're not playing in the NHL. Like there's still like, you know, former NHLers in there in that league. Like the AHL is still a really high quality league. So like there's like I said, there's still professional Still professional hockey players playing at a at still a really high level, so I think we got to keep in mind too. I think uh, in real life, if McDavid actually went to the AHL, he would put up more than 134 points, I would think. But I don't think it would be the crazy numbers that everyone would be expecting to see from McDavid, you know. But I would say like. I'd say, like, in 72 games, McDavid could get 170, 180 points. That doesn't seem unreasonable. Like, that seems that seems reasonable, like 170, 180 points. 
if he had dry sidle and Ekholm with him. But I mean, at the end of the day, playoffs, anything could happen. And and look in the simulation, the Springfield Thunderbirds, what they did, they shut him down. He only got one goal and two assists in this simulation. So interesting, interesting results. Uh, be it's kind of interesting to see how that would be. I mean, I've heard a lot of talk about it with Messi being in Inter Miami and like. I think you got to keep in mind too. It's a, MLS is a professional league. It is. It is a professional league. Still at, at a really high, still at a really high level. It'll be interesting to see if what kind of happens with, you know, how Messi does and all that. But yeah, thought we would kind of compare that with hockey's best player McDavid and see how he would fare in the AHL. And that will do it for the McDavid and AHL simulation. All right, now we're going to move into On This Day. And on this day, July 28th, two years ago, actually, during the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a free agent frenzy on this day. So normally it's on July 1st, Canada Day, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and the way the 2020-2021 season, I think that season ended in, like, I want to say, like, I was, it was, like, mid-July. I want to say it ended in mid-July or something like that. So, July 28th, they had the free agent frenzy. Uh, there was a couple big signings. Philip Deneau signed a six-year contract with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Dougie Hamilton joined the New Jersey Devils on this day. Uh, and Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman went to, Zach Hyman went to the Edmonton Oilers, joined McDavid, uh, and Drysaddle there, uh, in Edmonton on this day, July twenty eighth. Freddie Anderson, Freddie Anderson signed with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Blake Coleman, he signed with the Calgary Flames on this day. So those were a couple of like the big signings on that day, on this day, uh, July 28th. This was two years ago, like I said, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, July 28th, 1992, the Canadian Montreal Canadiens signed Donald Brashear. Donald Brashear, uh, he was signed on this day. He made his debut for the Canadiens the next year in 1993. And then he was traded to the Vancouver Canucks in 1996 and ended up being in 2000. He was on the receiving end of the infamous Marty McSorley uh, slash the infamous Marty McSorley stick slash right to the head. It's most disgusting, most disgusting acts in all of hockey right in the face. It was absolutely disgusting, but yeah. Yeah, and that's that. There's not much really to happen because at this point it's like you know in the middle of the summer, so there's not too much that happened on this day. But you know, it's kind of interesting to look back. You know, a free agent frenzy happened on this day, as well as you know an undrafted free agent signing that ended up he ended up having a solid career in the NHL and Donald Brashear. And that'll do it for On This Day. And that'll do it for this episode of the Puck House Podcast. If you want to stay updated on the podcast and get some bonus content, head over to the Puck House on both Twitter and Instagram where we are there. And until next time, goodbye.